Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the list and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, managing editor of Fightful.com. It is October 18th. Time for the 42nd edition of The List and your boy. I am joined by Fightful.com founder Jimmy Van. Jimmy, what's up? Sean, do you remember a gentleman by the name of Zorro? Yes, I do. He just walked by my window, which is why I thought of him. So uh, I hope he's listening when I say this. Zorro has set a precedence in this company that I own here, Sean. Oh, Yeah. For the first time in the history of my company, and Nigel, listen up when I say this. For the, for the first time in the history of my company, I brought back an employee that left uh, when I had always said I would never let that happen. And I brought back really? an employee that left. I did. I did. Uh, there have been times in the past when people have left because sometimes they think the grass is greener, right? And then they go somewhere else and they figure out, oh, shit, maybe the grass over there is not so green. And then they want to come back and I basically say, tough shit. Zorro was a special case, you know, He's, he, he was a guy, and, and what I loved about him, and Zorro, if you're listening, what I loved about you that made me bring you back was your confidence, because Zorro told me, I'm a young man, I don't have kids yet, I want to travel Canada, and I want to experience this country before I'm kind of too, too bogged down with, like, you know, children and stuff like that. Sure. And he told me straight up, I want to go for, like, two months, and then I would love to come back after that. And based on that, we brought him back. So you set a precedence, man. First time I've ever done it. Good for you. How about that? I, mean, I'm, I have so many questions in regards to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so, yeah, Zorro took the time off and knew about this. Is this a Vince McMahon situation? Are you the kind of guy that if they're nice to you when they're gone, you don't bring them back? But if they're complete assholes to you, you do. Because that's what Vince McMahon does. Uh, like, I think Bobby should... Heenan's never came back. I think you should ask Nigel what I would do if somebody treated me like an asshole, Nigel. Yeah, I don't think you'd take that well. <laughs> that Nigel with the mic quality. We got him a mic. Guilty as charged yeah. with the microphones. It's awesome because the people want Nigel's voice, Sean. <laughs> I think that he underestimated 
how people would want him on this show. Oh, they definitely want him because yeah. he's, he's a non-wrestling fan. And so hearing the opinion to some of the lunacy that happens on television from a non-wrestling fan is entertaining, I think. That's I why to, I do that on occasion. I'll get the opinion of my wife or my cousin or uh, – Exactly. I, I like Somebody who doesn't watch it all the time, isn't in the bubble. Yep. I ask my wife a lot about different things or I'll tell her about different things because she's a casual fan. And so I love to hear her reaction to some of the stupidity that goes on. Another thing I was telling Sean off the air, I, uh, this weekend I am going to the – I don't know if I told you where I'm going. I'm going to the, uh, the birthplace of the Survivor Series Screwjob, going to Montreal this weekend. And I was telling Sean, I'm in a place in my life now where even when I know that I'm going to have a glorious time, I still don't care. Because I, I guess I'm at that, that, that age and that place in my life now where I'm kind of just content sitting at home. I'm going to Montreal yeah. for a bachelor party. Um, I know I'm going to be probably, uh, you know, enjoying the temptations of Montreal. And yet, I don't really care that much, Sean, you know? How far of a trip is that for you? Uh, we're going to fly, so it's about one hour by, by plane. Yeah. Uh, if we drive it, about five hours. Like I, I'm starting to realize, like I had no idea how close of a flight Toronto was. Like, yeah, that was an 80 minute flight for me. That's the quickest flight I've had in my life. So, so if you far. ever, if you ever go to Europe, uh, you'll you'll know this. Europe, they they do basically these little. It's not an island hopper, but it's basically one hour flight from that country to that country, one hour flight from that country to that country. Everything's so close, right? And uh, Canada is very much like that. If you want to go, unless you want to go to Vancouver, because Vancouver is West Coast. Yeah. But if you want to do Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, I, I I contemplated going to the Impact tapings because Ottawa is an easy yeah. trip for me. Yeah. But uh, I'm not going to waste my time. But I could because it's close enough. I, I do have to say the the airport that I went to in Toronto made it real easy. Like that was the the easiest travel situation like that I've ever had because San Antonio a nightmare, Orlando wasn't fun. I've yeah. Flown to Charleston, Birmingham, stuff like that. It was just a pain in the ass. Like. The the Toronto travel was so good. Like I I told Kara that you know I'm not opposed to sometime just on my own dime flying myself up there and overnighting to Toronto and then coming back the next day. I wouldn't do that with a lot of places. Like it's some places you know when you when you go there you just know it's going to be a hassle to get in and get out and all that stuff. And I don't think you would do it to Toronto based on the cost. Not unless you were calling well, me first yeah. and saying, Hey, Jimmy, uh, well, I'm not saying it. I'm not staying at that hotel. I sure <laughs> as hell guarantee you that if I'm paying for it. Well, you know what? I told but, you, I just closed on my new house. Yeah. And when and I'm getting it renovated. So when congratulations, it's, thank you, Jimmy van, not necessary, but when, when it's renovated, I would, I would have you stay at my new house, Sean, when it's renovated. I would. Wow. My current house now, have you ever lived in a staged house? No, I don't even know what that is. I'm oh, so poor. Really? Okay, Nigel, have you ever lived in a staged house for any period of time? I don't even know what that is. My God! Okay, so have you guys ever gone to look at a, a house or a condo or anything for sale? Yeah. Either yeah. one of you guys. Okay, so oftentimes what they do is they stage them, which means that they make them look all pretty. Uh, and they actually will have furniture in the house that they don't actually own, right? Mm -hmm. There's a staging service that does it. So my agent has set up my house, my current house. It's currently staged. It's like a hotel. I can't touch anything. I don't even know where my shit yeah. is right now. <laughs> that's, that's literally, Nigel. I was asking my wife for paper towels yesterday, Nigel. 
Oh, jeez. Because the shit is all hidden right now because it's staged. So I'm, I'm looking forward to selling my house, getting rid of all that nonsense, living in a hotel. So that's, that's what it feels like. In that Toronto but, market, too. Man. Yeah, things are good. Things are good. I'm, I'm probably yeah. going to probably gonna triple, I'm gonna triple my investment on my current house, I think. That's, that's pretty nice. That's pretty mm-hmm. nice. My mm-hmm. wife and I are looking down the line. You know about that. Yep. Looking to get closer to a bigger city. But I'm very fortunate in that it's, relatively speaking, dirt cheap. Dirt right. cheap compared to the rest of the world. Right. Very happy. Toronto's a little bit uh, nonsensical in terms of the price. I mean, what I had to pay for my new house, is, it just makes me weep. Oh, but, you, when uh, I, I showed Jimmy a house that my wife and I were looking at for like a couple of years down the line, as long as Jimmy doesn't press the red button on Fightful, like 130000 and I was like, how much would that be? out there and he was like oh 1.6 million canadian at least yeah so i'm very very lucky yeah very lucky for sure okay man so i got us i got we got to start out talking about glenn jacobs kane because i saw the thing on raw when kane came back uh kind of inexplicably teamed up with ron strum but that's okay and the first thing i thought of when kane's music hit and he came up through the canvas first thing i thought of was sean ross and I have to give you props, Sean, because last week on the show, we were talking about wrestlers that are getting a little older. We were talking about Brock Lesnar and John Cena and Chris Jericho, and you brought up Kane, and you said, who is the first performer that's going to main event a pay-per-view at 50? Is it going to be Kane or is it going to be Chris Jericho? And wouldn't you know, a week later, Sean, after you asked that question, ironically, Kane's going to main event the pay-per-view on Sunday, TLC. Uh, along with uh, Miz and Braun and all those guys, how isn't that amazing that like like a week later after you asked that question, at fifty because he turned fifty in April, yeah, he's going to main event that. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing and ironic and amazing. Like, do you think? Kane. Do you think they were sitting around like, oh, we got to add a little a little element to this pay per view because we're not really sure what to make it special? They listened to Sean Ross Sapp and they were like, let's call Kane. Thought it was ironic, man. You know, I liked I liked how they did it too. I liked that they added stakes to a match that ha- that otherwise was going to have none. Agreed. I liked that they stacked the deck against the shield. It's hard to make those guys look like underdogs. I think they've done a fair job at it, but the Kane thing worked so often. Kane is no pun intended, lukewarm, but this worked. For them, like it did great YouTube numbers, amazing YouTube numbers. Yeah, yeah. So good for them. Good for Kane. His website crashed because of all the traffic. Good for him, man. I mean, I, I, you and I have talked about Kane off air. Uh, I have the utmost respect for 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 Kane. And you know, you can you can think about all the talent WWE over the years, and there's only a select few guys that literally nobody talks shit about. Right? Yeah. Because mo- most guys in WWE, you'll find at least one guy that has something bad to say about them. At least one person. But there's a few guys that literally nobody will talk shit about. Owen Hart obviously is one. I'd say The Undertaker is another one. And Kane is definitely another one. Because all you ever hear about is, number one, how intelligent he is. You always hear that. Uh, and number two, you always hear about how laid back and cool he is. And Daniel Bryan told the story in his book about when they were on the road and uh, Daniel Bryan would play ribs on him and he'd be a little he'd be a little bit afraid because Kane was the uh, senior guy in the locker room yeah and, and Daniel Bryan was kind of new and he was a little bit afraid to do it but he would do it anyway and Kane would completely roll with it and he'd be completely cool with it 
Uh, I have a lot of respect for him. And um, um, so he's running for mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, but the election isn't until August of next year. So obviously he's got a lot of time. But as you and I were talking about, he's been incredibly active in his local community. He's doing everything in, uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. So good for him that he's finding some time to get back in the ring, make a few paydays, get his name out there a little bit more. I'm sure it's not I didn't want hurt. to see them go a full calendar year without using Kane. You know right. what I mean? Because right. he's absolutely harmless in this role. Uh, he had never been out of the WWE locker room this long. Like Ten it's months. Been, Ten months? Yeah. He, yeah, it's been so long. Because, I mean, he's been around since 95, Jimmy. Right. 95 with Isaac Yankum. Isaac Yankum. Uh, yeah. I want to highly recommend the Bad Blood 97 podcast that Bruce Pritchard did. Uh, Bruce Pritchard talks about the – basically the, the way that Kane was created. I mean he named one of his kids after the character. He has the mask and all that stuff. It says something how a guy that was with Vince McMahon for 20-something years like Bruce Pritchard looks at that one example and he was like, that's the highlight. That's the one – that longevity is so important right. and there have been a lot of times Kane got lukewarm but yep. this is a fair fine place when he left WWE last year he was on a winning streak anyway he was beating like Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper all the time so uh fine to bring him back here it makes sense because Roman Reigns bid his brother farewell yep. I hope they explain that. I think they will and and I mean they say absence makes the heart grow fonder so even a guy like Kane who I agree was getting a little bit lukewarm uh, 10 months, he's a hot talent again. Yeah. And, and that's and, just and how it is. I think he's fair in that spot, too. I always loved the idea, which I don't know. Big Show says he's coming back, but his contract expires in February, and he just came off of hip surgery, and that, that's not easy to do. I thought having them as, like, the new age, like, uh, an amalgamation of, like, three-minute warning and APA would have been great. Like, if, if something's stinking up the joint, you send Kane and – big show out there to double choke slam mm -hmm. somebody and get them to hell off TV. Because mm -hmm. uh, they, man, it's just, I'm glad to see him back. I'm sure he's going to do well uh, on Sunday. Very glad to see him back for this, this short-term run. Yep, agreed. And, um, you know, speaking of glad, I got to tell you, it really warms my heart, Sean. When I Nigel's already laughing. I haven't even said anything yet. It's the well. My I, I'm opinion. sure that he thought you were going a different direction, like like I did. There maybe, but no. It it I'm going to I'm segueing to a different topic. It warms my heart when I'm able to put over the great work of Canadians on the WWE roster, uh, whether it be Chris Jericho in the past. We talked about the great things he's done. Kevin Owens. We talked about how he's the the rock star of SmackDown. And now, of all people, Sami Zayn. And yes, I am going to pretend that Jinder Mahal is not Canadian. I'm going to I'm going to pretend that he really is from India and not from Calgary. But uh, Sami Zayn, man, isn't it just indicative of the fact that WWE has shown, at least in recent history, that they just have a failure when it comes to either recognizing or capitalizing on the talent that they already have? Because here was a guy toiling in the undercard and toiling in, you know, uh, dark matches and stuff like that, doing nothing, being the, the happy, skippy, jumpy, smiley, taxi clothes looking, wearing guy. <laughs> you turn him heel, you let him kind of improvise a little bit, you let him play off the crowd, you let him not have to follow a script word for word. Look how awesome in two weeks Sami Zayn has become on, uh, on SmackDown. I thought his performance this week was excellent, not just in the promo, but in the ring. 
and the, the facial expressions. And him and Kevin Owens both have that skill where they can both be in the middle of a promo talking to somebody, but they're not, they're, they're not ignoring the crowd. They're listening to the crowd, and they will stop mid-sentence in order to address whatever the crowd is saying. It's amazing how many guys cannot do that because they're too focused on, I have to hit my lines. i got to hit my lines, right? And, well, uh, Bobby Roode didn't hit his lines last week. Okay, they're not all, all going to be gems, Sean, all right? When you got that yeah. many Canadians on the roster, they're not all going to be gems all the time. Your boy. But well, Bobby Bobby's a good. He's a good dude, Bobby Roode. Sure, he is. But uh, but yeah, man, I thought that Sammy did a, a great job. And I, you know what, I also thought was awesome about about the thing on SmackDown. We talked last week about how I love it when a heel does something not because they're trying to be dastardly, but because they think they're in the right. Right. Yes. What I loved about SmackDown was Sammy Zayn was adamant about I tried to do things the other way. It was getting me nowhere. Kevin was trying to tell me. Uh, he's gone on to all the success. What happened? Sami Zayn's very first week in the ring after that change, he pins Randy Orton. And I thought, isn't that perfect that his first week back after trying to explain the reasoning behind this change of philosophy, he goes into the main event match and he, and he scores the pinfall. I thought, I just really liked it. I thought it was good. And it, it actually made a little bit of sense. Normally, I won't like advocate a creative team or a booking team leaving a guy with this much talent where, where you said kind of toiling away. Mm. I think that's a part that's part of his appeal as a performer is that he can do that. And as long as he is associated with a guy like Kevin Owens, you can always go back to that. I, I don't want to call him Marty Jannetty because it's not the same. Well, Marty Jannetty was kind of like that. Undercard, undercard. And then if they needed to move him into an upper mid-card thing with Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. well, that history's there. Mm-hmm. The only thing is I think that Sami Zayn is much more talented than Marty Jannetty. He has his head on much straighter mm-hmm. than Marty Jannetty does, obviously. And he has a lot more of an upside now as well. And I think that that, that toiling away did facilitate this. It did allow this. And he's just one of those guys that – you know, he's never going to get over being that win, 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 win guy unless, like, like skeevy and like slipping a banana peel. Mm-hmm. I can't believe he won that one type of thing. But I think it all came together beautifully, and I like how he's being utilized. And and I also think that they're 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 putting a lot of confidence in him because yes. again he was toiling for how long, and now they're giving him uh, uh, like major promo opportunities. You know, that's a lot of confidence. I mean, they've done the same with Jinder, and I don't think Jinder's delivered, even though for some reason they think he has. But Sammy, I think, is knocking it out of the park. And, I think he is. And the chemistry with him and Kevin Owens, I mean, it's a natural chemistry. Those guys have been friends for 20 years, right? Also, I love how he sarcastically dances to the ring as a heel now. Yes, yes. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. That everything is, is everything is doing great. So let's let's again go from the, the positive Canadian to the not-so-positive Canadian, Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Uh, so he officially challenged Brock Lesnar on SmackDown to a match at the Survivor Series. Brock is going to uh, respond on Raw. It's expected he's going to accept because the match is kind of already planned out. Non-title, uh, champion versus champion. It'd be, uh, it'd be funnier if Brock responded the way that I was told he did when pitched the Shane McMahon match, which is, fuck off. I, I could see Brock, though, thinking, well, I mean, he looks the part, he's in shape, he's big, he's, he's the, he is the champion. Let me ask you this question, Sean. So we have talked on the show about Roman Reigns and about how, how many opportunities he's been given 
over the last three years, right? He's been put into the main event of WrestleMania. He's put over everybody. He's made to look like Superman. He's, he's beating everybody. And we've talked about how does he necessarily deserve it? Has he necessarily earned it? And could somebody else have done a better job if they were given the same opportunities that he's been given? Along those same lines, I have to wonder, uh, has Jinder earned these opportunities? Does he deserve these opportunities just because he's got a look and because he happens to be of Indian descent? I just, I, I just don't yes. think... It's amazing when you think about it. So not only has he now been champion for, what, since May... But he's going to get a match with Brock Lesnar at the Survivor Series. Can, can you believe that Jinder Mahal is going to get a match with Brock Lesnar at the Survivor Series? And they're teasing Jinder Mahal against John Cena at WrestleMania. Is that not amazing? Like, like I, I just because, and it's strictly because of his look and because he happens to be of Indian descent. That's why he's getting these opportunities. It's amazing. You know, there are over like one billion black people alone. In Africa, there are a lot of Asians in this world. <laughs> Goes without saying. Other, Goes without saying. There yeah. are other demographics that, if if you wanted to go in that direction, now I get it. And I talked to Sanjay Dutt about it, and you'll hear from him in a bit. It's it's like, man, you're compromising the integrity of your show to get one demographic and hope that it pays off mm. and hope that it pays off and hope that it pays off. Yep. WWE has never really tried to capture many other demographics. They've never made a real effort. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they, they, they did a solid job of going after the Samoan Japanese market in uh, 92. That one fell into their lap. <laughs> oh, all the, cause I'm, I'm they, sure, I'm sure there's a I'm massive, sure. there's a massive Samoan Japanese, uh, Market out w, there, I'm sure. Vince McMahon gets on his knees at night and prays to whatever God he believes in that the Samoans will not stop reproducing. The Samoan Anawaii family will not stop reproducing because just generation after generation of versatility out of those guys. Like he, they have helped him so much. Like from tag teams to singles wrestlers, top wrestlers, uh, crossover into mainstream. Like. He's very fortunate there. That's really about as versatile. That's really about as diverse as he's gotten mm. at the top of his card. It's generally a bunch of white guys or a bunch of Samoan guys. Mm. That's well, it. Like I mean, now, you know now he makes the choice to go this route, but the guy sucks at his job. Yeah, he's not. He's not the really. Guy's not good. Yeah, and and you know what? I mean, we've said this before. Gender, by all accounts, is a good guy. And there's, there's no ego with him. And I, I think he's appreciative of the opportunities that he's been given. And anybody else in his position would be doing exactly what he's doing. Um, but again, again, going back to the Roman Reigns comparison, all the opportunities Roman Reigns has gotten, and now here's Jinder. He's going to get the Brock match, might get a Cena WrestleMania match. He, I just don't think he's earned it, man. It's, again, aside from the fact yeah. he happens to be of Indian descent, it's uh... also I, I should specify before I get a bunch of tweets. I know that Indians are technically Asians as well. I, I get that. There you go. Now, one thing that I found interesting, and I'm wondering if this is going to be a sign of things to come. So, uh, WWE, as we as we know, is going to India in December for two dates. Uh, it's a Raw brand tour, but Jinder's going to be on the card, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. And Jinder has revealed that his opponent is going to be none other than the the glorious, wonderful Kevin Owens. Do you yeah. think, because this would really make me just a, a, a happier human being, do you think there's a possibility 
Kevin Owens is going to go after Jinder for the WWE title. Because that would be amazing. I think what they should do is, between that tour and Survivor Series, is have <clears throat> Kevin Owens defeat Jinder Mahal for the title and then probably move the title back to Jinder on that first Indian date. I mean, if you want to create some more buzz, I mean, you'll get the articles like, w Indian WWE champion coming to town and stuff, but if you get you get a, like hey, we don't write a lot of articles when wrestlers successfully defend their titles, but when a title change happens, that's newsworthy. That's something that people look for on Google. So if they have him switch the title back that day, the first date, and then run through the tour as champion, I think that would be a very smart thing to do. Also. I would get the new signing, the the girl from the Mae Young Classic, Kavita Devi. I would get her on the show. I think she is solid enough, yep. as as green and young in the business as she is, to have like a two minute match. I think I, I would do that. Also, I would have the Singh brothers wrestling on that show. So I was going to talk about Kavita Devi. So uh, WWE officially confirmed her signing. I looked up her YouTube match with uh, Dakota Kai from the Mae Young Classic. As of this morning, and we're doing this on what October eighteenth. As of this morning, eight point two million views of Kafita Debbie's yeah. match. Proven clearly, quality. yeah, clearly all Indian viewers. I mean, that's what they're looking for, right? So it I, is, and they, they should they should feel pretty happy that that happened. I think yeah, they should put her with Jinder. Like, why not just put put her with Jinder? Why would they put her with Jinder? Just because they're the same? Why, why would uh, you do that? They're not the same. One is a one is a a male wrestler, <laughs> and one is a female wrestler. They're not the same, Sean. Why not well, put them she's, together? She's nowhere near main roster ready. Nowhere near it. I don't know if Jinder's proven to me he is either, really. Yeah, that's that's very true. He forgot you how know? to do a coke clutch at one point. <laughs> so, oh, man, it's just – I think she's good enough to work these tours like how they had Ben Wong work the, the Chinese dates or the Japanese. I can't remember. What tour were they on where uh, he worked? It was China. It was China. Yeah, I remember <laughs> – you had me ask Vince Russo live on the air what I thought of <laughs> of his signing. Yeah, of his signing. Uh. And Vince like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a fun interview. I'm surprised Vince didn't break out into an everybody been Wong tonight because that's that's Vince. That's what Vince does. Uh-huh. And but, now um, and now he might write for a lucha show for Ron and Don Harris. That sounds like a sitcom, doesn't which, it? Which, ironically, you couldn't write into a sitcom. No. Like, it's too far-fetched. It is. It is. So, Nigel, let me tell you, because I love the non-wrestling guy's opinion. There are these twin brother wrestlers named Ron and Don Harris. Okay. Ginormous six-foot-eight monsters. They uh, Nazis. Well, I was going to say, so during their wrestling career, they had swastika tattoos. Oh, uh, and I think they got them – didn't they get them dubbed over, Sean, or they got something tattooed over top of them later, I think? Uh, I thought they did. Oh, yeah, I believe they did. If they had them. Yeah, I thought I mean, they – I'm looking it up. I thought they did. But there oh, was no, they, they had shirts. They they wore shirts that kind of had a oh it, was, oh, it was the shirts with the swastika. Ludwig symbol. Borga was the guy who had the tattoo, and when WWE saw it, they're like, uh, yeah, let's get that covered now. Okay, so it was shirts. Okay. So these guys, uh, they have that bit of a stigma. Whether it's deserved or not, they have it. And so now they want to produce a show about Mexican wrestlers. 
And everybody's kind of finding it funny based on their background and based on their reputation. And I'll, I'll so. do respect to Vince Russo. I know he's a big fan of Lucha Underground, mm -hmm. but he used to book like Juventud Guerrera and Pinata on a pole matches and stuff. So oh, I mean, you just made me think of Oklahoma when you say that. And Tequila on a pole matches and stuff like that. Viagra on a pole matches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boy, well, that was I mean, a great time for Vince Russo. You got Lucha. the Viagra, you've got the pole for the match, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> so I spoke to Sanjay Dutt about several things recently. We were talking. We we're going to hear a bit from him uh, over the coming weeks. I was promoted, waiting for that segue, Sean. That was great timing. I was waiting for that. Yeah, promoted. He was promoting Bound for Glory, which I encourage you guys to check out. We're going to have live coverage of it. I might do a post-show uh, podcast on it as well. Uh, the card looks really good. They've integrated AAA talent, stuff like that. But the India market, like. Sanjay Dutt is no stranger to it. He helped run Rinka King. He has witnessed Impact Wrestling embrace the Sony 6 uh, connection. And he actually spent time with WWE, turned down a full-time offer from WWE, which was a little more than anybody had reported and that he had revealed. He spent an extended amount of time there. But I talked to him about India, about WWE, and about Rinka King. There was word that you had a WDB offer on the table ahead of uh, joining Impact again. Is that true? Yeah, I, I spent uh, close to a month down there in uh, NXT, and uh, it, it went it went very well, very, very well. So, what motivated you to uh, make this switch? Uh, I'm 35. I've got two kids, and I've got a wife that uh, take precedent over anything and everything in, in my in my life career but professional life and uh you know relocating them was, was uh, something that i just could not do uh at this point in my life uh you know if you'd asked me 10 15 years ago it would have been a probably a way different story so is that going to be exclusively a coaching role like a player coach role that we see a lot of guys in or would you have been uh vying for a spot in nxt main roster things like that uh it was uh it was presented as a player coach role Interesting. And we, we see them attacking a market that you have attacked previously with Rinka King. I remember uh, watching those shows and some of the crowd reactions to that. How do you think they're doing in that with uh, Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers? Uh, I, I think they're doing great. I, I think that the, the first, the key to attacking a, a market like that is uh, finding a star that uh, people can relate to over there. And I think that, uh, you know, I heard they're going over there uh, for two shows coming up at the end of the year, which to me is, is just that that is the is the utmost importance when it comes to, to tackling that market is actually going there and actually meeting those people and face to face and showing them that you care about them and they're the real deal. And, you know, we tried that with the Rink of King. That's something that we did five years ago. Yeah, I mean, almost six years ago now, which is hard. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Yeah, and, and you know, it just tells you that for that long, you know, the first time that I went to India for for Impact was 2005, and I got back from that trip, and uh, you know, I, I I remember I had a conversation with Dixie, and I said we've got to do something over there. This is this is something that we would need to capitalize on. Obviously, it didn't happen until, like you said, six years ago. You know, and that that was a that was a Jeff project. That was a whole Jeff Jarrett project, Rinka King, and. Uh, you know, in March, we, we went over there. I believe May, May we went over there and did uh, TV tapings and whatnot. So, you know, I, I think that uh, the, 
the big problem that's going to happen in India is is getting this fan base to spend their dollars. I think mm-hmm. that uh, it's an emerging economy. Uh, the middle class is growing more than ever. Um, but but to to kind of re re like work their brains to think that they've got to pay for this entertainment that's not Bollywood and it's not cricket. That's going to be the tough sell. I mean, I know that there's at least some interest there because throughout all the websites I've worked for over the years, I see plenty of traffic coming from there. I see plenty of our commenters from there. I see plenty of our interaction from there. Huge. Yeah. It's it's, huge. The social media, the social media, I mean, everybody in that country practically has a, has a phone, has a cell phone, yeah. you know, and, 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 uh, but it's just translating those people uh, to pay for something that they are not used to paying for. That's a, that's a very good point. So when when you were with WWE in that that brief period, this is right when they were or right before they were starting to to really get into that. Did anybody bend your ear or maybe uh, say, "Hey, you've got a little bit of experience over here. You did Rinka King. Uh, what what are we looking at?" Uh, yeah, you, you know, uh, actually, two three years ago, I, I had some talks with them about um, about the market. So uh, it's something I guess they've they've been trying to do for for a while now. All right, you guys are back. So when I got that done, I was like, all right, Jimmy, we're going to need to air this clip because there was a lot kind of packed into that three or four minutes there. Mm-hmm. Jinder has experienced that Indian market before. He had a unique insight to it that nobody else that we talk to is going to have. He mentioned the challenge of getting people to pay money for something that they're kind of conditioned to getting for free. Mm-hmm. Also, he revealed that he wasn't there as like a guest for a couple of days. He was – offered a player-coach role in NXT as a trainer and a performer, and he was there for a month uh-huh. uh, before passing it up to go with Impact. Also, you know, there's there's uh, all the experience he, he gained in Ring King and some of the, the challenges ahead of WWE. What did you take mostly from that? Because, I mean, it that that's something I hadn't considered and didn't even think of is that well, they're getting this for free. Why would they pay for it? I mean, that that was it was pretty common knowledge. That was one of the issues that WWE was was trying to find a solution to, and it's the same issue with China. And and you know, Shane McMahon gave it his best shot with you on demand, and they ran into the exact same problem where uh, it's just it's such a common practice there to essentially pirate everything and yeah. get everything for free. That uh, getting them to pay for anything is a real challenge. And we've talked about this before too. And I know this from my business. Uh, the the value of traffic from India is worth pennies compared yes. to the value of traffic from the U.S. Uh, and I see it in my own business. We can have a, a lead generation campaign, you know, mean paying us on a lead, and the same lead will be worth say five bucks in the U.S. and it'll be worth ten cents in India. And that's just how it is. Wow. And so when you see that that Kavita Devi uh, YouTube video has 8.2 million views. I bet you that in terms of revenue, they're making as much from that as they're making off one with a couple hundred thousand U.S. views. So what they're hoping to do is instead of making that from YouTube views, they want to turn that into nine ninety nine a month. That's what they want, I would imagine. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not even – I don't remember anymore uh, if the India network is nine ninety nine a month or if it was a different price. I can't remember how it was structured. Interesting. I really liked that talk with Sanjay Dutt. He was uh, willing to, and also the fact that that I meant to get to, WWE asked him, well, like, what are your thoughts on this? A few years ago, I was asking, 
hey, did they ask you earlier this year when maybe you spent some time there? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, they did years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you remember you remember the famous scene of Bret Hart when he went to the school in India? Yeah. And 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 the, and the kids are chanting, "We want Bret Hart." And then they show him leaving in the bus, and the kids are chasing the bus down the down the road. Remember yes. that? That was like twenty years ago. Yeah. So so they recognized even then that there's definitely an audience there. But again, the trick is Brett how was, do you monetize it? Bret was a very unique international superstar. Like that was they can't I can't I can't like oversell that enough how unique and an international superstar Bret really was. Like because his popularity in other parts of the world. Was was immense. He was almost the David Hasselhoff of WWE. That, that's a great comparison. Like he could have probably that's, come out with an album in Germany. Yeah, that's how nuts it, it was at the time. But uh, let's talk about the Shield because uh, I couldn't help but notice something interesting on Raw. So on Raw this week they were kind of officially reformed. They're all wearing the matching gear now. They came out through the crowd. They did all of that. Crowd was really into it. But I couldn't help but notice. Roman Reigns comes out for the main event against Braun Strowman, and he gets booed again, Sean. Do you think that now the fans have just been programmed, they hear the music, they boo? When well, Roman I Reigns feel like out. I'm hearing Scott Steiner's music right now. What's going on? <laughs> well, we are in Toronto, Canada, Sean. So things happen sometimes in Toronto. Evidently. But, yeah, yeah, they do. But uh, wasn't that? Didn't you think that was interesting? Because when when he came out with the shield, crowd was loving it. They're really into it. Comes out by himself for a match, gets booed. What do you think? I think what WWE wants is for Roman Reigns. Here's the thing, Jimmy. If the guy you want to be the top guy needs a rub, he probably shouldn't be the top guy. Mm. Your Agreed. top guy I mean, should be giving the rub to other people. Yep. And right now, Roman Reigns, well, they're all getting the rub off of the Shield name. Right now they are, yeah. Roman Reigns needed those other two to make that happen. Right. People aren't just going to magically like, okay, I like him. Right. Just because, I mean, they'll like the unit of the Shield. Yep. Sure. Yep. I, I think it once again, and we've said this so many times on the show, I think it once again goes back to the fact that they, they kind of underestimate the intelligence of their audience. And they fail yes. to recognize that this audience, they know what's going on. They, they all read the internet. They all know, you know, about how he's the chosen one. Uh, yeah, and it goes back to that again, man. I want to bring up the Jimmy Jacobs thing. And yes. uh, this, is, this is the kind of topic that I love to throw at Nigel, stuff like this, man. So uh, I'm trying to think of how I can, uh, how I can best uh, uh, explain this to Nigel. So let me say this first. You remember back in the 90s, when uh, Vince Russo, and this is to you, Sean, not to Nigel, obviously, about wrestling. <laughs> when, uh, when WCW was, was kicking the, the tar out of WWE at the time, and Vince Russo used to explain in interviews years later that the mentality of Vince McMahon, and I think of Vince Russo, was when you are the number one promotion, you make like your competition doesn't even exist. right? You don't acknowledge them. It's like they're not even there. When you're number two or number three, you do what you can to poke the bear, right? And you do what you can to kind of take jabs at them and, and, and do what you can to kind of paint them in a, in a negative light. And so in 97, 96, 97, when WCW was winning the Monday Night War, WWE used to reference quite a bit Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan, the NWO. They used to take shots at him on television because they were the number two promotion. When WWE took over the war and they were winning, they did it less where they took shots at WCW. Um, the reason I bring this up is because for some reason, 
Vince McMahon and Triple H, for some reason, and Roman Reigns, have allowed the Bullet Club to become a thorn in their side. And I do not understand it. I don't understand it. When WWE is way up here, Sean, way up here, and Ring of Honor and the Bullet Club is basically at the floor in comparison, I don't understand why they would allow you know this, this little grassroots thing to become such a big deal. Uh, so the latest thing that happened, Nigel, I'm going to try to put this in terms that, that, that you'll get. Imagine if, um, let's see, imagine if Donald Trump's gardener posted a photo on Instagram uh, taking a selfie with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump saw that and fired the gardener. I feel like that's something he'd actually do, though. Maybe yeah. He, yeah, maybe he would. Maybe he would. I, I was trying to think of something a little bit different. That's the first thing that well, I could but think what, of. But what if 20 years ago, Donald Trump had done this, like, had, like here's the thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, it's tough to really, like, it's it's tough, man, because when Bullet Club showed up at Raw outside, yeah. they were directly, and everybody's like, oh, it's a ripoff. Yeah, that's the thing. They're, that's why they did it. That's I mean, why they did it. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, be a ripoff. It is. Intentionally. The the young bucks, as, we, as we've talked about, they are a wrestling parody. Yes. And and everything they do from the the gear and the two sweet and the super kicks, they do it because they're they're essentially making fun of the things that people make fun of. They and, are they are people who grew up wrestling fans, right? Became wrestling stars, but they're not ashamed of. Admitting that they were wrestling fans in fear of being called like marks or whatever, like they're like that—that's the thing. I mean, I, let's I, be honest. All part these of, guys, part of, of, they're, they're the most open about their love of pro wrestling that they integrate it into their gimmick. Well, part of the appeal—the appeal I think of the Young Bucks is that the Young Bucks look like wrestling fans. I mean, they're they're 150 pounds, right? They look well, like wrestling. They're 100. And, 80, 190 pounds. I, mean. I don't know about 190, Sean. I don't know about 190, bud. They they look like you know a lot of wrestling fans look. But anyway, uh, well, there's a lot of MMA fighters who look like MMA fans look. It's true. That's true. And there's also it's, there's it's, also a lot of MMA fans that look like MMA fighters too. Yes, you know? there are. Like yeah. I mean, the, the thing it, it's changed. Yeah. We we know now, and MMA is a big part of that. Yep. That being pumped full of steroids. Okay, not 190. They're about 175, 180 pounds. See that. But we know now that being 300, 350 pounds, pumped full of steroids, doesn't make you a badass dude. Yeah. We've seen that. Yep. We've witnessed Bob Sapp getting punched once in the face and crumbling. Yep. Like we've seen all these giant guys and how. So Brock I want to. Brock Lesnar can't throw a punch. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to the Jimmy Jacobs thing. So, so Nigel, I uh, hope your mic is on because I want your reaction. So, there's a guy by the name of Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, he used to be an independent wrestler, meaning he, he wrestled in the minor leagues. And he wrestled uh, at one point in his career for a company called Ring of Honor. Uh, and Ring of Honor is now uh, having a – they've had a resurgence for the last couple of years. They've gotten more popular. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs most recently was a writer for WWE. That means that he, he helped write the TV. Okay. Uh, a week or two ago, uh, a group in uh, Ring of Honor, they call themselves the Bullet Club. It's a group of wrestlers. They came out to a Raw taping, and they staged what they called an invasion, where they basically showed up outside the arena. Uh, it wasn't on television, but they showed up outside the arena, and they posted pictures on social media. They did it kind of mockingly because 20 years ago, WWE did the same thing to their top competitor at the time, 
where they sent wrestlers to the competitors' arena and essentially did the same thing. This television writer, because he was there because he's a writer, so he was there, he's friends with these guys, and so he took a selfie with them and he put it on his Instagram account. Right? Yeah. Because he knows these guys from the independent wrestling world. After he posted that picture, he was fired by WWE. Ugh. And everybody's been like, how is that a fireable offense? Like, how did he do anything wrong? You know what I mean? And, uh, and good on Jimmy Jacobs that he's trying to make the best of it. He showed, he showed up at Ring of Honor like a day or two later. He's got a new shirt. I think it said Unprofessional Wrestler or something. Yeah. So he's trying to make the most of it. But I just say that when Bullet Club were in the ring at the end of the Global War Chicago show, by the way, we have full results at Fightful.com. Check it out. Uh, also, some video clips up on our YouTube. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been sending in clips. Uh, do that. We'll run them on uh, our YouTube page. But they were looking for someone who could take a picture of them, right? And Jimmy Jacobs was in the crowd, right? Right. Which is fine. But again, how is that a fireable offense? Number one and number two, why is WWE, like I said, allowing? Which is really a, a, a they don't mean anything to the to the landscape of WWE. How are they letting them be a thorn in their side? How did that bother them that Jimmy Jacobs posted a picture on Instagram with them to the point well, that he get fired over it? Here's the thing with – well, Jimmy Jacobs, he's always, like, just said what's on his mind is what I've been told. Um, but Vince had some issues with him. I know he had some time off, and Vince wasn't happy about that because you know how Vince is about time off. Mm. But you, we've seen it. At any time over the past 15 years, has TNA Impact ever been a threat to WWE? Yeah. Like a real threat. And don't they do stuff – oftentimes just to spite them like yeah. don't let them grow at all like if impact grew in any measurable way yeah. they would still be miles behind yeah. now ring of honor is number two yeah impact ain't number two anymore no but it's it, such a it's such a massive gap between exactly. one and two like exactly it is which makes it even more ridiculous to it me. is it is ridiculous i just because they they do this now ring of honor has worked with wwe giving them footage to use things like that that does that mean they should be exempt no but this has happened for a while yeah. i bring this up all the time what they tell matt riddle when he called them when they, when they said we're gonna pass on giving you a contract matt i know you blew through this this tryout arguably better than anybody ever has uh -huh. But we're going to pass on signing you. Mm -hmm. Then Matt calls them back and says, well, I'm going to sign with Ring of Honor. I d just want to know that this won't ruin anything for me. And they say, well, it will ruin something for you. Why don't you go work for Evolve instead? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this has been a thing for at least a few years where WWE has not wanted, if they can help it, to accentuate the positives of Ring of Honor. And – do I, just, I ever think Ring of Honor will be able to reach WWE's level? Hell no. It's impossible. It's never it going to happen. It never. is impossible. But uh, they are in a very fortunate situation in a couple of regards. They are owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, uh -huh. and they could be doing a lot worse than that. Now, oh, for sure. I do, agree. Do I think that Sinclair is a pretty deplorable company at times? Oh, hell yeah, I do. Uh -huh. But Sinclair likes Ring of Honor because Ring of Honor makes them money. Right, like that's right, <laughs> that's right. the difference in Sinclair and Anthem. Like yeah. Sinclair's making money off of this. Yeah, and then, and it's, then it's you know, so it's just so weird. And then, you know, the Cody Cody Rhodes working people like this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just playing him like a fiddle. My God. You know how many people I had tweeting me Roman Reigns' accolades this weekend because Roman Reigns tweeted out, yep. well, he's not the biggest draw like he says he is because he isn't filling up 100,000 seats. Well, neither are you, Roman. That's that. Nobody did 100,000, first off. He's talking about WrestleMania. Talking about WrestleMania. And, and <laughs> Roman was not the draw of WrestleMania. So, I, so this was the other thing that I was going to get to. So Cody Rhodes, so I, I will admit Cody Rhodes has exceeded my expectations on the independent level. Yeah. Because in WWE, I, I honestly didn't think he was that great. Like, I, I, di- I didn't see in him what everybody else supposedly saw. I didn't see main eventer in Cody Rhodes. I still don't see main sure. eventer in Cody Rhodes in terms of WWE. But I did during the dashing gimmick. That was, that was about it. I, yeah, I still saw Intercontinental level. But uh, the guy has been amazing at playing the wrestling media. And, uh, and everybody's eating this shit up. And just like you said, so Cody Rhodes, uh, what did he tweet out? Uh, he claimed he was he the biggest draw in the business. This, this weekend, he said that he was the biggest draw in the business. Right. And now going back to just like Vincent Mann and Triple H, Roman Reigns, again, he's headlined three WrestleManias in a row. He's making millions of dollars a year. He's the guy WWE is trying to spotlight. Why would Roman Reigns give a shit about what Cody Rhodes says? Why would he let it bother him at all? And yet Roman Reigns felt the need to say, I don't even need to click the link and watch it. If that house didn't draw over 100K, he's just talking silly. Like, why Why even? Because all he's doing is putting Cody Rhodes over. Yes. He either, That's one it. of two things happened. One of two things happened, Jimmy. He's either throwing them a bone or he's getting worked. Do you think he's throwing them a bone, maybe? You think? I. You know, man. Because there was never any heat. No, not from what I've heard. Although Cody's, he... res- Cody's respected by and large, there are a few yeah. guys, yeah. a few guys who haven't made it that have the oh, Cody was given everything. Cody worked really hard. Yes, he did. He worked really hard. Does he have great matches? In my opinion, no, not usually. They call him three star Cody, and uh-huh. sure, whatever. But there have been a lot of great personalities. Enzo uh-huh, uh-huh. Mori doesn't have great matches. Uh-huh. He's a great personality. Cody Rhodes has developed into a great personality, uh-huh, and uh, uh-huh. sometimes that's what you need in wrestling, and that's what he's doing. So uh-huh. for that, that I applaud him. And then afterwards, or at the the Chicago show, he said, "I guess that tactical vest wasn't just uh, covering up drug tests; it was covering up envy." Uh-huh. He knew what kind of reaction that was going to get. Uh-huh. And I regretted even tweeting the quote because everybody's like, <laughs> what's That's... Roman jealous of? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm like, come on, man. Like, you're getting reeled in. Yeah. You're getting I, reeled unless, in. Like you said, reaction. Well, un- un- unless, like you said, unless him and Roman are cool and on the side they're joking about it, because that's possible, sure. I guess. Po- and that's absolutely possible. It's possible, it's, yeah. It's one of two things. He's either getting worked or... 
he uh, is throwing them a bone, and who yeah. knows? I mean, I'm I'm told that Cody's still on nice terms with WWE, so or no he's reason, trying to. No reason not to burn a bridge, like we've said. I mean, right? look who his dad is. Look yeah. who his brother is. You think he doesn't know how to work people? Come on. Yeah, yeah. All right, Nigel, let's go to stupid people. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. So, okay, first off, uh, thanks to Trevor Strong, trevorstrong.org, for the usage of the stupid song. Uh, so you know how last week, Sean, uh, my theme was I wanted to spotlight people that are too easily offended and they're too easily afraid, right? Mm-hmm. I got I got a couple uh, news stories this week that I wanted to spotlight how we're living in a world now that uh, just makes me kind of question what the fuck is going on. <laughs> That's really all I can say, <laughs> Nigel. This is the world we're living in now, man. And I, I don't understand people. And I try don't... living down here. Well, I guess. So this first one. So, uh, Sean, are you familiar with a show called The Rick and Morty Show? Oh, yeah. I am. Okay. So I was not. I'm, I'm, I'm clearly not the demo. And I just don't care. But uh, so there's a, a an adult cartoon show on Adult Swim called The Rick and Morty Show. Apparently it's popular. I mean, you and Nigel both know what it is, so apparently it's popular. I read this story, and I just thought to myself, I'll, I'll be completely frank. I read this story, and I thought, fucking millennials. That's what I thought, if I'm being completely honest. So it's a blanket statement. Well, I don't, sure, go ahead. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I say what I want. So on the season three premiere of The Rick and Morty Show – on Adult Swim back in April, right? Now, if you guys watch the show, you're probably familiar with this. They made reference to a limited edition Szechuan sauce released by McDonald's in 1998 to promote the Disney movie Mulan, right? Uh, you're, you're nodding, Nigel. Have you seen that? Oh, I've seen all of the show. Uh, well, there you go. There you go. Boy, I wonder if you're the one in this story. The, uh, <laughs> the reference created demand for this Szechuan sauce. Okay? Yeah. And so, McDonald's decided to start re-releasing the sauce in limited quantities, all right? According to businessinsider.com, and this was reported on October 11th, a 23-year-old out of Michigan named Rachel Marie stood in line at a McDonald's in Michigan for hours in order to get one of these Szechuan sauces, right? One of the little dipping sauce containers. Then she decided to post about it in a Facebook group. And uh, she had a guy who was a massive fan of the show who was unable to get it. He offered her a 2000 Volkswagen Golf MK4 car oh, wow. in a trade for the sauce, right? Now, <sighs> now, two things I want to say about this, okay? Business Insider said that they can't verify the validity of the claim. So maybe the girl's making it up. However, one thing that is legitimate, because I looked it up myself, people on eBay are buying these Szechuan sauce containers for hundreds of dollars. Oh my God. Hundreds of dollars. And you can go and search it and and it's there. What the fuck, Sean? This thing is worth seven cents. These little, (laughs) like, Nigel, what's going on? Yeah, that's pretty sad. When new video game systems come out, like, I'm always just like, you know what, I need to go buy three of those and then resell them on eBay so I can make a hundred bucks. But that's that's a kind of a not a risky investment, but it's a more costly investment. Right. This, oh, Jesus Christ, I know Rick and Morty is very, very popular. And so if I catch it on sometimes, my wife will leave Adult Swim or whatever the channel is on, and it'll pop on in the middle of the night. Right. And I hear the theme, so I'm familiar with that. But Right, right. 
Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Let me ask you this question, Sean. This is I'm going to segue a little bit, but I think a lot of people can relate. What do you think your time is worth? Like, let's say that you waited in line for four hours for something. If you could put like a dollar value on that, what would you say that's worth? Well, when I went to that amusement park last week, I refused to go there unless I buy the fast lane passes. Right. Right. I, I'm not standing in line for 30 minutes. So to here's get on a two-minute roller coaster. Here's, here's something a lot of people don't seem to understand, and I actually had to years ago educate my wife on the same thing. Sometimes people don't understand that when they're getting a deal on something, but to get that deal, they're required to like wait around for like several hours. It's not a deal because your time is yeah. worth something, right? And Nigel might, Nigel might know this. There's a, there's a, a restaurant chain called Mandarin, and it's kind of like a discount uh, Chinese food chain. Oh, yeah. And every year on Canada Day uh, here in Toronto, July 1st, they would do a promotion where you could get uh, lunch for free at this Mandarin, right? Now, if you go on a regular day to this restaurant, Sean, you're getting lunch for 15 bucks. if you go on a regular day, yeah. right? Canada Day, I would walk by the place, and you know how big city blocks are in Toronto, right? Yeah. I would walk by the place, and the line would be wrapped around the entire city block of people wow. that are waiting to go into Mandarin to eat their shitty Chinese food and save 15 bucks. <laughs> And so they're waiting for like what two, three, four hours? Like, are you? That's that's not even minimum wage, Sean. I think I can't remember what the place was that Jocelyn had recommended to us. And Kara and I walked there, and we saw the line wrapped around the block, and we're like, "Not this trip, right? <laughs> Sorry." It's just so crazy to me. Uh, this next one: Canadians are not off limits when it comes to stupidity, Sean. <laughs> and I will spotlight them just like I'll spotlight anybody else. So it was reported by the Canadian press on October 16th that the city of Bathurst, New Brunswick, and Nigel, you might have seen this because I gave this one to uh, Luke. Oh, yeah, we Luke, talked Luke about this Strictan. one. Okay, so you've seen this one. The city of Bathurst, New Brunswick, which is, uh, they have a population of 13,000. It's a smaller city. They are looking to make changes to an existing city bylaw that they have regarding Halloween. Okay? So right now they have a bylaw in the city. Uh, currently, if you're over 14 years of age, you're banned from trick-or-treating. And if you're under 14, there's a trick-or-treat curfew of 7 p.m., right? Under the proposed changes, if you're a teenager 16 or older, you're banned from trick-or-treating. If you're under 16, the curfew will change to 8 p.m., so it's a little bit better. Here's the kicker. If you're over 16 and if you're found to be roaming the streets in what they call a facial disguise... Uh, and what they mean is a mask or a veal after curfew, you're going to be fined 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that insane? After curfew, a a child. After, well, you'd be over 16, so you could be, uh, okay. say, 17. And if you're wearing, Still. say, let's say you're wearing a rubber mask on Halloween night at 8, 10 p.m., and you're 17 years old, the cops could come along and fine you 200 bucks. Isn't that crazy? Now, the local police did claim in the story that they're going to use common sense when enforcing the bylaw. My question is, they didn't use common sense when creating the bylaw. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. There are places in Kentucky where it is illegal against the law to have, a, have an ice cream cone in your back pocket. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Why is it illegal? Let me, let me, let me find this. I, it may be just on Sundays, too. And, okay, it's in Alabama. It is illegal to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket. Uh, <laughs> also, if a horse follows you home, <laughs> it's not considered stealing. 
So you can keep the horse? Yeah. Really? So all you gotta do is have a carrot in your back pocket. Yeah. Because it's not illegal. As long as it's not a friggin' ice cream cone. Nah, dude, we should we should go to Alabama and clean up in the horse market. Like just clean up. Just get them all for free. <laughs> well, it's a shame that's not a rule. If if that was a rule along Kentucky, man, there'd be a lot of like, because, you know, the, you've always got those skeevy people who will rip, like, copper wiring out of old houses and right. stuff. Right, 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 And steal metal. Oh, there'd be – you'd have skeevy people stealing horses. Well, <laughs> not not stealing. That's I right. Guess. It followed me home. Yeah. yeah. So this last one, Sean, let me ask you a question. Uh, are you familiar with Ibiza? No, I'm not. Nigel, you know Ibiza, right? It's not ringing any bells. Uh, okay, I might be pronouncing it wrong. Some people call Did it. Did you a take beats. a pill in Ibiza? Uh, boy, you're not far off. So uh, some people pronounce it a pizza. I pronounce it a pizza. Is it a place? Yeah, it's a it's a oh, island. Yeah, that's that's the line from the song, the the Mike Posner song. I took a pill in Ibiza. Yeah, I was just trying to make a joke. No, it's it's legit. So Ibiza is an island. It's a Spanish island. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, they are famous for their nightlife and for their clubs. And back in 2009, I went there. I had a client uh, that actually had told me, if you hit a certain target in terms of uh, performance, I'm going to send you to Ibiza because he's based in Barcelona. And I hit the number, and he flew me to Barcelona, and then we spent a weekend in Ibiza. And I'm not going to lie, it was fucking crazy, Sean. All right? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And there's a reason I'm bringing this up. So uh, it was reported by abc.net.au on October 16th that an Australian university student in her 20s. Do you know what Whippets is, Sean? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, so a, an Australian university student in her 20s has nerve damage to her spinal cord and she may never walk again after she binged on Whippets. Uh, now in Australia, they refer to it as Nangs. It's the same thing. It's basically a canister of nitrous oxide gas used for whipped cream. Right, uh, she binged on whippets to the tune of 360 cans in a week. Oh. 360 cans in a week. Many? I don't know. Uh, it averages out if she did it over seven days. That's 51 cans a day. 51 cans a day, Sean. Over seven days, 360 in a week. So now she's got spinal cord damage. The reason I'm, I brought up a pizza. Is because when I was there, and I should not talk about this on the show, and I don't endorse this, and I don't condone it, but I was younger and you know had fun with the locals. You, uh, what they do at the clubs in Ibiza is they sell balloons filled with nitrous oxide, right? Yeah. You know how if you go to a regular club and they have shot shooter girls. Mm -hmm. So in Ibiza at the club they had uh, nitrous oxide girls, and you would buy from them balloons filled with nitrous oxide, and you inhale it, and then you get like a quick high out of it. Uh, and then within seconds it goes away and you're fine. And that's what it is. Now, I would do maybe one or two in a night, right? I would sure as fuck not do 51, Sean. <laughs> Can you even fathom that? 51 in one day. It's unbelievable. I can't fathom one in one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read that story and, and it made me think of my, uh, my weekend in Ibiza. So that's why I decided to tell the story. How long ago was that? It was, I think, it was either 2009 or 2010. I don't, from, I don't remember the That's exact year. That's fairly recent. Relatively, <laughs> rel I was, I wasn't married yet or anything like that. Okay. But, but I did, uh, I did go and have a, 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 and when we talk about the nightlife there, Sean, they have nightclubs once a week, uh, and they're in venues that fit 30,000 people. Wow. It was, it was a yeah, weekend I, to behold. I had never heard of it before that song, and 
Yeah. I know that the, the community or the town was a little pissy at the song because they, they thought that it, it kind of unjustly gave them this image. And uh, I'm thinking it's pretty justly given that image Everybody based knows. on the story you just told me. Everybody. And anybody that uh, has ever either been to Europe, been to Spain, they know what a beast is. I mean, that's just Pat Bannon says a close friend's sister died from an air duster. Yeah, I used to have to get like for air dusters for my computers and stuff. Oh, you, and you, you can do ID the same thing with that, really? Apparently, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, not that I want to joke about her uh, her her current physical state, but fifty one a day over seven days, like holy shit, God. that's crazy. Uh, okay, so you told me off the air you wanted to talk about this, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw it to you, Matt Hardy, Julie Youngberg. Explain who Julie Youngberg is and explain what you've heard. Yeah, m many of you will know Julie Youngberg. as You may recognize her name. She's a seamstress for WWE. She married Draws shortly after his accident in 1999. They would get a divorce years later, and she would marry Shannon Moore, who was you know, one of the North Carolina guys. For the past several years, she and Rebby Sky, Rebby Hardy, have gone back and forth on Twitter. And I mean like six, seven years they've mm. not liked each other, whatever the case may be. This week, somebody tweeted that they wish that the fifth person against the Shield would have been Broken Matt. To which she replied, I wish it would be Dead Matt. And uh, people are like, what? what? What are you talking about? Like, why would you say that? And she has posted controversial shit often for years. And she's for still, years. She's still employed by WWE? Oh, yeah. And this has gone on for a long time. Hmm. Now, Rebby tweeted her back and said, Bitch, you've seen us at TV 20 times and you've never said anything. I reached out to Matt and he said, The odd thing is, like, I do see her. She's typically at TV. And she never, like, I we never have any interaction, which makes it really peculiar. Like, obviously she has a problem with Rebby, but uh -huh. Matt's like, Damn, the issues with me are kind of like news. Huh. Like, I, I didn't know. WWE has not issued a comment to us. We did try. Do you think but, that uh, it could have been just a really bad attempt at humor? No. No? No. No. Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to go back, just look at her tweets to Rebby over the years, and you will see that it is very much not. Very much not. You know not. what I don't understand, Sean? I mean, I mean, look, I, I realize I can be outspoken, and I kind of tell it like it is sometimes, but... It takes a lot of emotion, not emotion, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy to hate. Right? Yeah. And so I don't really hate anybody that I can think of I'm in life. You. It just takes so much effort and so much energy. Why do you even waste your time with that? You know what I mean? I get annoyed with people all the time. I'm just like, man, that's that's dumb or that's a waste of time. Cause yeah. Personally, I don't tolerate laziness and I don't tolerate just wasting time. I don't like that. It's uh -huh, uh -huh. I don't like wasting my time. I don't have a lot of free time, so I don't want to spend it doing some like counterproductive stuff like that. This is pure speculation on my part, what I'm about to say, but I wonder like if maybe the draws agreement or settlement maybe uh -huh. is one of the reasons she's around so long, even though they've divorced since then. It's possible. Because I, and I'm not saying that he did. I've been given no reason to think he did because I really hate it when I say stuff like this and people post a story on it and say that I reported it. I'm not reporting this. I'm just saying Draws is the kind of guy who would have been like, 
take care of her for life too. It's possible. I mean, I, I do know that a lot of the divas have put her over and put over her work, right? I shouldn't yeah. call them divas anymore. The the women's wrestlers, they put over her and they put over her work. So maybe her to work me, is why she's still there. To me, I see this and I'm like, how the hell does she still have a job? Or how does WWE not issue a statement? How does she not issue one? Like, how do how do you not make it clear? Hmm. Like, oh my god, that's such a such a dumb thing to say. And as Ryan Satin pointed out on Twitter, imagine if Matt had tweeted that about a, a an employee. Yeah, that wouldn't have gone. Yeah, wouldn't have gone well. For sure. Also, doesn't she know that Matt Hardy will not die? It's his whole gimmick. Well, speaking of uh, people saying things on social media, uh, Nia Jax apparently is taking a leave of absence. What have you heard also, about that? Before I get into that, I, w I do want to, in all fairness to her, Julie Youngberg tweeted last night, how people read stuff into things is beyond me. Read into this investigates detective investigates six years plus of harassment that originated in Cameron, North Carolina. Yeah, that's that's messy. The Nia Jax thing, uh, some personal issues. She's taking time off. It, I, I was told it wasn't like an angry thing necessarily, at least then when she left, mm -hmm. uh, which was the same day as Neville. Mm -hmm. But uh, just needs some time off and WWE granted it. Fair enough. And what's the latest you've heard on Neville? He ain't happy. <laughs> he's not happy. He's not happy with the money. He's not happy with the direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I was told initially it was, was direction. And then um, I was told it was compounded by the lack of royalties and all that. He wasn't like upset that he was cruiserweight champion or anything like that. It's just he was under the impression that there would be a better direction for all of this. Now, the shift to Enzo has worked, mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. least in the interim. Who knows how it'll work without Neville? Because Neville was the perfect. They were a match made in heaven, Jimmy. Like they were yep. wonderful. Together. You know, I, I will say this. I remember years ago, and I don't remember who the wrestler was, but I remember years ago, uh, it might have been Test. There was a wrestler that said that he actually hated winning titles because unless you won the world title, uh, you didn't see a, a, an increase in your pay with the belt. And, and you, you got to carry it. And you right. got to carry it, right. And you got to go through security, and you have to have it in your bag. And the thing is fucking heavy. It's like, you know, 10 pounds. Imagine how the money in the bank winners feel. Vince right. still makes them take it everywhere. Right. And I, and Baron Corbin was very outspoken about it, about having to carry the thing around, right? So, yeah, it's, uh, it's dumb. I'm questioning if uh, Neville thought, okay, I'm going to be the, the supposed king of the cruiserweights, and I'm going to be the guy running this division, and then maybe the payoffs didn't really – maybe there was no uptick with those, right? It's possible. Yes, and they they didn't get they weren't on the DVD for WrestleMania. That was Aries' issue too, right? I think. Yes. Uh, and that means they didn't get royalties. Right. Right. Uh, it's a tough racket, man. We've talked about this. You know, if if you're if you're not at the top of the top, they don't make what people think they make, right? And Nigel, going yeah. going going back years in pro wrestling, a lot of wrestlers have said this. A lot of fans think if you're on television, that means that you're making big money because you're on television. Right. right, and it's just not the case, and and especially even things like reality shows, you know these people these people generate a following because they're on a reality show. They make shit unless you're a Kardashian. They don't make anything on these shows, right? And wrestling is really no different. If you're not in the main event or maybe upper card, upper card guys do all right. If you're mid card or lower card, you're probably getting your guarantee, and uh, and their downside for a lot of these guys is not that special. So. Is what it is, man. It's unfortunate, I guess.
But at the same time, no one's putting a gun to their head, right? So. Yeah, but I mean, you should. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's one of the. It, yeah, I mean, nobody's putting a gun to mine or yours head, but but we're here. We're here. It's we're doing it. It's our job, and it's his job. But Sean, I'm not going to lie, man. Of him, I don't think it's wrong of him to be like. I know I'm more valuable to this company. CM Punk was willing to step up and say that. Sure, and sure. Go out and find your worth then. Uh, and, and that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that too. Yep. A lot of people are like, uh, I don't know. It, there, there's a lot of delusion as it pertains to pro wrestling and everybody should be happy with what they're given uh-huh. and all of this stuff. Always strive to do more. Like Absolutely. And we've talked about this, about you know a guy like Jinder basically doing what he's told to do. And so many other talents doing what they're told to do. And a guy like Kevin Owens being just a diamond in the rough because he'll actually take whatever he's given and actually make it good. And any any field, I mean, imagine if you were just happy with getting getting by in your career, you would have nowhere near the success that you have now. Like Right. Absolutely. Yep. Just the way it is. Yep. Absolutely. What else you got on the list? Oh, here we go, Sean. Nigel, he's doing it again, man. He's doing it again, Nigel. No, happens you, every single week, man. Way to Kenny Dykstra. I was, I, you know, what I was about to do? I was about to like write it on my paper and hold it up and say it's time for the fucking segue, Sean. <laughs> I was just about to do it, man. Jeez. So, so anybody listening to this show, I just want to kind of, you know, emphasize this. So, there, there, you know, no, 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 well, no, no, no. Did walk out. <laughs> The person who didn't was Kenny Dykstra. He walked <laughs> back in last year. Awesome. Here's a part of my talk with Kenny Dykstra. <laughs> so this WWE return last year, I'm very interested how that came about, how you were contacted, because let's let's be frank, you were pretty outspoken about some things that happened before, but it's not like you hadn't been back there. You had worked like a dark match in 2011, which I want to talk about later, but uh, almost out of nowhere, 2016, you and uh, Mike Mondo are back. Yeah, it was very random. Like, I, you know, I went back to school, got an education. Uh, I finished. I got two master's degrees. I got an MBA. And I got, uh, played football too, didn't you? MSOL. Yeah, I played a year of football. I just wanted to try it. You know, it's something I always wanted to do. Um, but then, you know, so I got this good job after I graduated college. I had my own office up in Boston area and stuff. And I was teaching people how to like start businesses, run businesses, which was great. I loved it. I like teaching people, but I didn't like having my own office because I would sit there for eight hours a day and I'm like, I'm bored. I, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So then I got a phone call one Monday. I got home from work and the phone rang and it was Mark Carano. And I was like, I didn't answer it because I thought, oh, great. They found something that I must have broken before and like something like <laughs> they like I owe them money now, like something ridiculous. I don't know why I thought that. So then he texted me and he said, call me as soon as possible. Okay. So I called him. He said, hey, next week, can you be in San Diego for SmackDown? I said, sure. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I'll do it. And then he's like, all right, cool. We'll send you your info. And then that was it. And then 10 minutes later, I got an email with my flight, my hotel, my rent-a-car. And I was like, did this just happen? Like, this is this a prank? So then Mondo texts me and he's like, dude, we're going to SmackDown as the squad. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Who knows? And then every single week, or originally they said, we're going to bring you in for one week. That was it. Just that one SmackDown. That's it. Okay. And we did it and Vince liked it. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, I'll see you at the pay-per-view at no mercy. And I said, all right, I'll see you then. So then every week we would fly home on Wednesday and then Thursday they would email us with our confirmation of your, we need you at TV next week. And we never had a contract. It was just a handshake deal. 
and it was, you know, even a lot of the people in the back, like Mike Kyoto and stuff, they were saying, like, this has never been done before. Like, they put you guys over on the tag team champions in a non-title match. You're not even under contract. They're giving you a live microphone out there. Like, there's some – they trust you guys in a way. Because at any given point, we could have said, all right, you know what, let's just really beat up Dolph Ziggler in the ring and give me the live microphone and I'll just talk trash. Like, <laughs> yeah. at any point in time, that could have happened. So they, they trusted us to do business right, and we just kept doing business by them, and then one day they just stopped calling. But – that's just how the business works, I guess. What kind of differences did you see over the past eight years since you had been gone? It's very laid back. Everybody, it's it's more of a, I don't want to say it's more of a business setting because it always was, but it's just more of a, it's more laid back. People, I don't know, like when I was there, when we were coming up, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of big names there. Not that there aren't now, but they're like names from the past, like, you know, Bill DeMotts and stuff like that. Some hardcore holidays, some tough dudes. And you had to hold your own. And now it's it's not that there aren't tough dudes. There's still tough dudes there. But it's just, you know, there's never that mentality of a dog-eat-dog world. It's more of just we know our part. And they're trained now to know that. Where when I started in the business, it was like, you know, you got to fight for your spot. You got to do what you got to do. And somehow you got to get there. Where now it's just, you know, everybody accepts their spot. And I think that's a good thing. Because everybody's part of the show. Even if you have to go out and wrestle and you have to lose in two minutes – you're part of that entire two hour program and that that's your part that day. And it may not be your part all the time, but if you use your time right in that two minutes, you can slowly get yourself over. So you had a, a fun run there. I remember you did a lot of stuff with the Miz. Uh, now I'm sure that when you were leaving, the Miz was in a much different place in WWE than he was when you came back because last year he was one of the, still is one of the hottest acts around. And back then, he was one of the guys that you would always hear the stories getting kicked out of locker rooms and stuff. Yeah, and but he was mostly on SmackDown. We were on Raw, so we never really saw Miz that much. We'd see him at joint pay-per-views, but, you know, he was always a nice guy. You know, he, he was always a young young person who was trying to learn more, and, you know, it, persistence pays off. Hard work pays off. So you, you had spoken out a little bit about the Mickey James, John Cena issues. Were, was there any, like, any – talks with either one of those backstage did you run into them how did that go no not really like when we got back there like i've always had a, a fine conversation with uh john it was fine uh, most of our conversations really revolve around boston sports and yeah. you know sometimes i sometimes i get on for you know ditching the boston sports and <laughs> jumping to the tampa teams like how could you do such a thing like it's like throwing away your baby but uh yeah mickey we, we talk every once in a while i actually uh when she did that match for nxt we actually had a, just a brief conversation. I said, you know, this is your chance to like it, people who haven't seen you in however many years, like this is your chance to just steal the show and say, you know, screw it. So whether, whether that worked or didn't, who knows? Yeah. But not she's I, I doing, she's still doing well today. She's in a big program now. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I heard. So that's great. That's good. So, you know, when everybody does good, the business does good. Better business makes the business better. That's what I always say. Right, you guys are back. The thing that I was most interested in there was the fact that Kenny had been kind of outspoken about Mickey James and John Cena in the past, uh -huh. and that's the brand they stuck him on when when he came back. Was you know she was around a little bit more. She wasn't around full time yet or anything like that, but yeah. um, that would have been where she would have been kind of coming in and visiting and stuff like that, and. Uh, John Cena was on that brand too. I mean, Cena was a made man, so he he's yes. he's above all that stuff. 
then, you know, Dykstra is just wanting to minus P's and Q's and try to get a contract. So I think it was fine. I mean, think about how many relationships, you know, long or short occur in, in wrestling locker rooms on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or whatever. I don't really think much of it. And, and you know, I one thing that Kenny said again when he was talking about his opportunity to go back to WWE, and they thought it was going to be a one-week one-off, uh, but they did well, and Vince told them we'll see you next week kind of thing. It goes back to what we said about taking advantage of your opportunities. And guys oh, like yeah. James Ellsworth getting a contract when he was supposed to be a scrub that Braun Strowman killed. And that was really supposed to be it for him, right? So To me, like you look at stuff like that, and it's, it's like we said earlier with applying it to almost anything. If you impress somebody enough, you can – Mm-hmm. You, you you can almost run yourself to uh, limitless potential in, in that regard. And he showed up in great shape. He did what he was supposed to do. He got the people over that he was supposed to get over. And mm-hmm. he's in good standing with WWE because of that. And not only that, Tommy Dreamer looked at that and was like, all right, I'm going to give him regular paydays at House of Hardcore. And now mm-hmm. he's a big part of that. Ring of Honor brought him in to work with the Young Bucks. So right, right. he made a very good impression in, in that regard. Yeah, and Sami Zayn, same thing. I mean, he's he's delivering, I think, with everything he's being asked to do right now. And uh, I think it's only going to you know bode well for him moving forward if he keeps that going, right? Yeah. Let's, oh, talk, yeah. About, let's talk about a guy that I miss a little bit, Sean. I miss him a little bit, man. Me? Uh, oh, I never miss you because you're, you're just you – just, you don't you – I'll, no, I'll fly back next week. You're always around. Like, if anything, like, you're like a buzzing fly, Sean. Yeah, but, uh, talented buzzing fly. I'm talking about Titus O'Neil. You know, yeah. he's not around as much lately. Don't forget my article when I put him over as a as a, a guy that they're not utilizing correctly. I always bring it up, Nigel, just to kind of get their reaction. <laughs> so uh, Titus O'Neil was on Lillian Garcia's podcast this week called Chasing Glory. It's on podcast one. And she asked him about the suspension last year from WWE. Uh, Nigel, you'll like this one. So uh, a, a wrestler who goes by the name Daniel Bryan, he was retiring legitimately. Uh, because WWE deemed that he had concussion problems and he needed to retire. They did a ceremony for him on television. All the talent was on the stage. And when the retirement ceremony was over, a guy by the name of Titus O'Neil grabbed onto Vince McMahon and kind of jokingly gave him a little pull. Uh, And Vince turned around and looked at him. You could tell that he was pissed off. And Vince McMahon ended up suspending him for 90 days for unprofessional conduct, causing him to miss WrestleMania that year. And WrestleMania is the biggest payday of the year for these guys. So he missed WrestleMania because of it. Dave Batista, who uh, you might be familiar with from, from Guardians of the Galaxy, former pro wrestler, him and Titus are really close. And Dave Batista publicly said, I think Titus should quit because there's other things that he could do and the suspension's bullshit, right? So Lillian asked Titus in this podcast interview about the suspension. And Titus said, I still don't understand it. I literally put, put my hand out and I said, ladies first. I don't know what the wrong time is to say ladies first or the right time. It's water under the bridge. It happened, and I took ownership of it regardless if I was right, wrong, or indifferent, or if the situation could have been handled different. Uh, And that's another example. He didn't get fired, but it's an example very much like the Jimmy Jacob one. Titus has the reputation of being a fun-loving, funny, jokey guy that everybody likes, right? And he was trying to joke around with Vincent Mann saying, ladies first, because I think think Vince was going ahead of Stephanie. I think that's what it was. And, uh, And he ended up getting suspended and missing the biggest payday of the year because of that, so... That was Titus's explanation of what happened. He said, "A guy who does first. tireless work for them outside, absolutely, of absolutely. the ring. Yeah, that's true. And he's such a likable guy. Like, how can you not love that guy? 
just when he smiles and the way he talks and you know the, the well, way I do he, know a few wrestlers that trained with him don't like him because he gave them concussions but well all right <laughs> all right I mean it's not like he went out there intentionally had a brick in his hand he's like yeah, sure <laughs> he just wasn't it just wasn't for him at that stage don't know if it ever really was but he is I think invaluable to WWE he's he's so good as a manager but yep. they've moved away from that yeah it's too bad it's like, it just gets dropped I don't uh, know if he's even with Tazawa now uh, but now they, they've developed it into more of like a philanthropy thing where he'll appear with a make-a-wish kit or something like that and say right. they're in Titus Worldwide and right. all that stuff but it's good, so push it. Give them su- some success. Give him somebody that can meet some success uh, because I don't want to see him wrestle anymore. He's, he's yep. was never that great at it, but he is really great at the manager role and what yep. they had given him. He excelled in it. I agree, and he still would get the the fans would still do barking whenever he would you know do the hands and all that. The fans would still be with that. So, oh well, that's it for my list, man. But I, I did have a question for you uh, before we wrap up. Um, so the uh, Impact Bound for Glory pay-per-view and the TV tapings in Ottawa, they're a couple weeks away. Uh, I went on tdplace.ca, which is the uh, the website that's managing the venue in terms of online ticket sales. And uh, I just put in Bound for Glory, two tickets. I put in the Monday night tapings, two tickets. I was able to find floor seats, no problem. So I'm wondering, have you heard much about ticket sales? Well, there were rumors that Bound for Glory was sold out. That is not the case. Lies. But, um... Lies. Yeah, well, it wasn't Impact saying it. It was, it was like a forum rumor or something like that. They they are not sold out, but it's going to be tough to sell all those tickets. It's no. going to be tough. They're going to have to pay for quite a bit of it, and that's just. I mean, that's them moving into a new territory. I don't know why, why they didn't run it closer to Toronto because cheap. That's why. I I think it well that and I was telling Joe like. If I'm UFC, any any like impact, I do want to make Toronto an area, like a home base, because, and I, I really noticed it when I flew in. And how do how do I say Mississauga? Mississauga, Mississauga, Mississauga. Yeah, nothing <laughs> but residential. It's completely residential there. Yeah, homes after homes. They're just cramming homes in there. Mm-hmm. There are so many people there. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm from. It's such a small area, but you still have a little bit of space where you can. You've got venues where you can run shows and stuff. Like you said, maybe a little more expensive, but. Yeah, I think the idea of moving them from Nashville or Orlando up to this is smart. Orlando is kind of a, a little bit of a wrestling hub right now, yeah, but yeah. Orlando's think... cheap too. Like, uh, I guess the only difference would be for for Anthem is the U.S. dollar, because but Orlando's not expensive. I think Toronto's getting there though. Like, there are a lot of people looking to run Toronto and the Ontario, really Ontario too. House of Hardcore likes to do it. I know that Santino started to run shows, so. Yeah, well, uh, Santino does it, it in his gym. So, sure. so for, for Santino, it doesn't cost anything. And I, I know the venue that Tommy Dreamer ran in because uh, I don't know if I told you this. Justin Roberts uh, did the ring announcing for one of the shows in Toronto. And he yeah. actually, and even though Justin was here, I didn't go. And the reason I didn't go is because I heard about the venue. Yeah. And, and this was in July. And they did it in like a little uh, tiny little uh, community arena that had no air sure. conditioning. Right. No air conditioning. Yeah. And Justin told me later on that he was soaked through his suit. Ooh. And I was just like, I just don't feel like being around that, you know? Yeah. 
That's so, un- that's understandable. But in uh, in Ottawa, they can probably get hotel rooms for like 150 bucks a night. In Toronto, Nigel, what are you going to get for 150 bucks a night in Toronto? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing if you're nah. lucky. Yeah, yeah. So it's cost effective. That's why they're doing it. Yeah, I, I think the idea of them making uh, Toronto a hub is is a smart idea, but they they haven't gotten there yet. But right. we'll see how it goes. They they've got a good guard for that Bound for Glory show. I just hope it lives up. I'm looking forward to seeing what the venue looks like on television. Me too. Yeah. Me too, because it could be a complete. Or you never know. It could have that charm. You never know what can have that charm, like the Hammerstein Ballroom. Right. Like you could have that look, and it just worked. Uh, you could have something like Full Sail, which doesn't really have a good look, but mm-hmm. they've turned it into something more than what it is. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you just never know until you're there, but uh, I, I hope they can succeed. Like I see all this promotion for the Global Wrestling Network, and I look back, and I'm like, man, TNA used to be so much fun. I used I mean, to love it. it used to, to me, it was the must-watch for a couple years. Like It was the wrestling program to watch because – you know, WWE had their thing. They were trying real hard to make Cena above all. Like, everybody else was forgotten about for a while. But mm-hmm. I loved watching TNA. And I look back and I see some of this stuff. And I'm like, man, there there was a really great period there where they seemed like they had the cult following. Like, it was cool to like them, right. too. Right, right. That ain't the case anymore. No. If, if anything, it's cool to shit on them now. I think. Yeah. And and it seems like Ring of Honor and the Bullet Club right now, that's the cool thing. It's like if you you know, you if you want to be a cool wrestling fan, you gotta get the Bullet Club T shirt now all of a sudden. Yeah. So. Somebody on the, the YouTube chat, by the way guys, subscribe, leave us a thumbs up, contact us on the forums, share our stories, that stuff really helps. But uh he asked, Does Colby Covington fight before or after Bound for Glory? Is he gonna be there? He will be at Bound for Glory. He told exclusively uh, Fightful.com's James Lynch that he will be there, but he does fight uh, on October 28th. We'll be covering that show the following week, the Sao Paulo show. Uh, I've got a bit of a commitment that night, but those Brazil shows, nobody watches them. What's the commitment? uh, I got some family coming in. Oh, yeah? Who? None of your business, Jimmy. Why can't I ask questions, (laughs) Nigel? (laughs) Just the look on your face. What? What? Look at you. Look at you. What? Uh, I'm, ta- yeah. I'm taking an interest in your work, Sean. You should be appreciative. My my work? Yeah. Well, your life. Your is, life. Taking an interest in your my, life. Yeah. yeah. Work is my life, Jimmy. It's true. It's true. I got some family coming in. We we do Halloween festivities, good stuff like that. So, Sean, you know what happens when you have children? When you have no, children, I know. well, I you, know. you might someday. Nigel will someday. When you have children, you look forward to family coming in so that you don't have to get up at the crack of dawn. And my wife's family, we're taping this on a Wednesday, my wife's family's coming in tonight. That means tomorrow I might not have to get up at 6.30 in the morning. So that's pretty damn awesome. Nice. Yeah. Well, I kind of like the way you all do things anyway. You all run a, a 10 to 6 schedule, which I think is I think it's a brilliant idea, to be honest with you. I think it's very good. By what the do way, you, guys, What do you think of that, Nigel? What do you think of the 10 to 6 hours? I like the 10 to 6, especially since I'm coming from Mississauga. So it gives me a little bit of extra time to get here in the morning. Nigel might not know this, Sean, because I, I haven't told him this. Yesterday, Nigel, you tripped our security alarm. Oh, Ooh. you know what? I was listening to Arcade Fire at full blast, so I came <laughs> in and I just started putting my stuff in the fridge and then I went to the bathroom. <laughs> there you go. 
ADT security called me and one of our other staff uh, texted me and he goes, uh, I just came in and the alarm's going off full blast. And I checked the security cameras and there comes Nigel gingerly walking in, dee-dee-dee-dee-dee, yep. trip the alarm. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, guys, before we go, I want to mention uh, our new associate editor, follow him, Brian Rose. He is at BR26. And Jimmy, originally, I was like, man, I don't know, West Coast, that may affect things. I've been handling a lot of the morning duties lately, and i got to say it's pretty nice to be able to take a break in like the early evening because good, it's mid-afternoon to him. Good, that's good. I'm, trying to, I'm getting used to this guy on the West Coast thing. Plus, there's not a lot that he can't do. Right. Like He likes to work like super late like I do. So super late to him. Right. It's like even like wee hours of the morning to me, and there's not a lot that breaks that early in the morning because right. WWE, UFC, they're very smart about their news cycle. They know that if they release something at like 8, 9 in the morning on the East Coast, uh-huh. it's 6 a.m. on the West Coast, and that's a they, they don't want that. Right. So right. it's worked awesome. out pretty well. I, I, he's, he's adapting very well to the to the job. So Good. I'm shout glad he's out working to out. our boy Brian Rose doing doing great work. Awesome, man. Glad he's working out. Welcome to the team. Everybody follow us at Fightful Online Cross Platform. Follow Jimmy at JimmyVan74. Right. That's it, sir. That's it. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Remember, guys, share our stories. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And, of course, subscribe to us all across our platforms. We have an MMA show with James Lynch coming tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. He is done with that day job. Yes. And now we got the afternoon show set up. I am pumped. Also, uh, shout-outs to James for sending me that uh, – that emulation station card. I've been playing WWF WrestleFest, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did I tell you about what yeah. I bought for my new house? I got. Did you buy, I, I you buy the Superstars cabinet this time? Uh, close. I bought an arcade cabinet with 10,000 games on it. Hey, there you go. That's, hey. that's pretty much what I what I got going here, only on my, my big screen. Awesome, awesome. So do you have, like, the old NES Pro Wrestling? Yes, unfortunately. See, I love that game. Unfortunately... I have you ever played it. Saturday Night Slam Masters? I think I have. I think I have. Oh, I'm not sure. it's it was the makers of of Street Fighter, but they did pro wrestling, and it was phenomenal. It was great. Cool. It was really good. But uh, yeah, we got that show tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, a little bit of a time difference on Saturday. Me and uh, Shodan Joe coming at you for the UFC Poland post show. Probably about five five thirty, I think, is when that show ends, and we'll be talking about the Bellator show that happened the night before. Then Sunday, of course, we got that WWE TLC post show. But guys, tune in, subscribe. Until next time, we are out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.